In case you missed it, on the cat. This is In Case You Missed It for the 28th of August 2020. Coming up on this week's show, David Maidment, a real author from Nantwich, speaks to Dave Fawkes about his latest book. And Adam Knight, the director of Crew Lyceum Theatre, speaks to Chris about the impact of COVID-19 on the venue. You're listening to In Case You Missed It on the Cat. David Maidment is a real author from Nantwich. He appeared on Right Up Your Street earlier this week to talk about his latest book. Good morning. How in the world are you? I'm fine this morning, thank you. Marvellous. I think we've got a decent line as well, so that's good. Um, David, you are a local author, um, but you're more than that. But I would just want to touch on the, the authorship side. You have a new book out, um, but that's one of many publications that you've got. Um, just very briefly, the the authorship side, the, the way you put books together, is that something that's happen recently or have you been going a while about the last 10 years um i really only had time to start writing uh, as i was coming to the end of my railway career in fact afterwards um i started off with a couple of novels i got self-published and uh, wrote a book about the charity i started and then a friend of mine who was the commissioning editor for pen and sword the um uh, the publishers from Barnsley, been doing a lot of military books for years, yep. decided to move into transport. And uh, my friend said to me, well, you know, you've had a, a big career on the railways, why don't you write some? So um, I've, uh, I'm have i now on my, I think it's, uh, one's just published, I think it's my 14th book for Pen and Sword on on railways. 14th book, wow. Uh, so an established author, uh, lives locally, um, but more than that, David, I've done some a little bit of research on your on your past, and it is an amazing career you had on the railway. You you started off uh, from. Am I right in thinking you started off learning to or trying to learn to drive a steam engine? You started at um, a railway sheds in London. I I started at Old Oak Common, the big uh, big shed on the western region, just outside Paddington. Okay. I, I went there during my university college holidays as a sort of relief clerk, and uh, um, to sort of learn the ropes. And uh, I was in the uh, mechanical foreman's office doing the uh, sort of engine history cards, and uh, I sort of completed it in a couple of hours. And I then got sent round the shed to work with all sorts of different fitters and go out on the on the locomotives themselves and of course uh, I, I won't say i was a trainee driver but you know when a fireman has a, a guest on the footplate he, his grin goes from one ear to the other and he hands you the shovel <laughs> oh fabulous so that that sort of got trains and steam and everything like that in your blood and then um you graduated or you you, you found a job as a station master that's right. I did three years um, as, a, as a management trainee all over the Western region, yeah. and then they appoint you at the end of that to, uh, to your first job. And uh, I got sent to see the divisional manager in Cardiff with a colleague who trained at the same time. And he tossed a coin, and uh, my, my, my friend uh, called correctly, because they got two jobs in the Welsh Valleys at Abervale and Aberbeeg. My friend called correctly and chose Abervale because he'd heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> and, so by and, default, I got the operating <laughs> job at, at Aberbeek. I, I, I struck lucky. <laughs> Did you? Excellent. And was that, you know, I'm familiar with um, with a film called Oh, Mr. Porter. And uh, Oh, Mr. Porter got sent to Buggles Kelly. Was was Aberdeeg in that kind of um, station? Was it a country station? No, it was a very industrial station. Oh, right. It was right, 
right in the heart of the Welsh coalfield in the Western Valley. I had I had no um, no passenger trains, but I had six collieries and I had had seventy staff and a, and, a, and a little engine shed. Wow! And how old were you when you were doing that, David? Twenty-four. What? Goodness me, <laughs> that is a big yeah. step up, that, isn't yeah. it? That's excellent. Oh, so you must have either, well, you must have had the ability to do it, but you must have had a love of railways. So, so what happened after that? Where, where did you go after you were station I, master? I went as area manager. They, they, that was a, sort of a year later. They abolished the post of station masters, and uh, we went as a, I went as an area manager to Bridgend on the Cardiff to Swansea main line. Yeah. But that encompassed... Station mar- that old former station master's job, so it covered all the valleys up to uh, Maesteg and Clindley Valley, Ely Valley, and so forth as well. Wow! And then, then you graduated. You you went and got uh, involved in the uh, safety of the railways, didn't you? Um, yeah, that, uh, that was many years later. Right? I went on as a train planning officer, worked at a bit at the board, and was the uh, was was in management services and productivity for ten years. And then was chief operating manager at Railhouse Crew. Oh, you were or, there, were you? Well, you were in Railhouse, uh, yeah. There in the mid eighties. Yeah. Uh, as, as that covered the sort of Midland Main Line and the West Coast Main Line. Then I was asked to go to the BRB because they thought they ought to have a reliability manager. They hadn't had one before. <laughs> There's a surprise. <laughs> so I, I said to the board member who called me up, well, why me? And he said, well, as manager of the West Coast Main Line, you know more about failure than anybody else. <laughs> so you were in Railhouse in, in its prime, were you, uh, yeah, David? Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, I mean, that, was, was. that employed a lot of people there, didn't it? Yeah, I had several, well... I, I had 25,000 staff, not all of them in my in Railhouse, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. But th- I think those people who know Railhouse and know where it is, it's right by the railway station. It's oh, an yeah, office block. It. Yeah, that's uh, it. T- totally underused but back in the day it was absolute hive of activity a lot of the railways were controlled for there and uh, for your services to railway you got an OBE yeah you remember in the late 1980s about 88 there was a a very bad train accident at Clapham Junction yeah I know that and I was was asked then by the board member to chair the sort of inquiry team the, the internal team that was putting the evidence together and then then report to the um, uh, the judicial inquiry. Oh, right. And as a result of um, some of the things that I found, I was then asked to be the uh, afterwards to be the head of safety policy to actually introduce a lot of the lessons that we'd learned from, from that. Yeah, because it, was it something to, something to do with the signals? Was it, David? Uh, that particular one, well, yeah, it was a it was an error by uh, a signal technician who had left a, a wire dangling. And, um, and then, unfortunately, some people coming along two two weeks later to make further alterations in the box didn't realise, and the the, the 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 loose wire connected uh, where it shouldn't have oh done, dear. and a red signal showed green. Yeah, no, that was a terrible crash. That was right. I'm going to play you a little snippet of music now, right? Just a little snippet, and then I'm going to I'm going to ask you to explain all about why this is relevant. Now, 
Now, for the uninitiated and those <laughs> who've never had kids or grandkids, that's the theme tune, the original theme tune to Thomas the Tank. Yeah. Why, why is that a connection with you, David? Well, I'll try and make a long story short. Okay. Um, my, my job on the railways in safety took me abroad a lot to discuss with other people. And one of the trips overseas in India, I'd seen street kids on the station. Yep. And um, I, I was actually very moved by some of what I saw. Managed to persuade some of my colleagues in the railway industry to start a charity, which we called the Railway Children, which works for kids who live on railway stations around the world, street kids in yep. India, East Africa, runaways in this country as well. And in the early days, trying to, you know, raise cash for this, um, I thought, well, why not get in touch with Thomas the Tank Engine people, see if they would make a donation. And uh, they called me down to have lunch with them. It was in the Brit Allcroft uh, organisation days. They called me down to Southampton, had lunch with them. And over lunch, talking to their chief, I was talking uh, about some of my railway experiences. And they said, well, we like to base Thomas stories on um, things that have really happened. They're often much funnier and, 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 and truer and so forth. Yeah. So could you could you could you give us a few stories you know just just scribble down a few we've got a script writer you know just give us a few anecdotes yeah so the following couple of days i did a, about half a dozen stories down and sent them off to them and uh, a couple of days later i get a phone call ring so yeah would ten thousand pound be adequate reward wow i didn't think didn't think that was a pad pay deal it's for not bad. Hour for, so, <laughs> so so just just let me get this right so some of the stories in the actual thomas the tank engine um sh uh, car no it's not a cartoon is it yeah, it's it a, was a it was a video they were a doing video. called uh, Friend, friends of thomas so and so some of the stories there are based on real things that happened either in the valleys or when i was in charge of the royal train and these sorts of things so some of the adventures that the likes of thomas and gordon and percy had they were based on things that you told the production company of your real life experience yep wow <laughs> Wow. Um, I, I had kids uh, at that age. I'll tell you what, they could tell you, they could repeat the whole thing word for word. So uh, when I tell them now that I've been chatting to somebody who actually um, was the basis of the stories that happened, uh, that is amazing. Absolutely amazing. I'm so <laughs> glad about that. That's great. The video had, had me down on the back as, uh, as, as associate cons railway consultant. Consultant. Oh, fabulous. I've actually find the videos for two years. Fabulous. Oh, that's great. I'm, I'm so glad we explored that connection. Now then, your latest book, um, without getting too anoraki, um, and, and so, there's lots of uh, listeners we got who are not into trains in the way that um, yeah. maybe we are. Uh, this is a great Western engine uh, you base the book on, and it's a, a tank engine, a bit like Thomas. Yep. The... Um the pen and sword they do a series of books on what they call locomotive profiles where they get somebody to who knows the engine work with them in the days concerned to do a bit of the history of the locomotives and the operation what they did and so forth how they operated how they performed anecdotes about people who worked with them at the time i've done a whole series and this particular book is about um what we called the wheel arrangement 062 that means they had six driving wheels and sort of a, a, a trailing wheels at the back yeah and they used to work the coal coal trains in south wales particularly you know where i used to work when i started off as a station master. all right yeah 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 and so 
Yeah, before about 1923, the old railway companies, uh, the old Welsh railway companies, they, they had engines of this sort. And then when the, the the big four railways were formed in 1923, you know, Great Western, Great Western, yeah, yeah. Um, the um, the old Welsh companies they did they didn't want to spend money making their engines you know in good condition to hand over to the Great Western they let them fall to bits oh, right. <laughs> uh, and the Great Western sort of inherited all the coal traffic they got to move and a rather shortage of engines that would work oh right so they, they they quickly built two hundred rather similar engines but modified a bit. And about 150 of those 200 work regularly in, uh, in, in South Wales, which is... And I, I wrote about that, and particularly the coal... It was all about the coal industry, in the, um, uh, down to the Barry Docks and Cardiff yeah. Docks and so forth, out of the valleys in the, in the... I suppose the heyday would really be 1900 to the First World War, but okay. still but, going strong, in, you know... You, you would have seen... You, yeah, you would have seen these trains come through your... These engines come through your station when you were stationed oh, yes. Oh right, yeah. excellent stuff. And this is um, this is one of a series of books. Now, uh, the Great Western, God's Wonderful Railway, that GWR stands for. Uh, you've done a whole series of books on engines that um, ran into crew at various points because the the Great Western ran into crew, didn't it? Oh yeah, yes it did. Um, yeah, you could spot them particularly down at Crew South. They came in off the sort of Wellington or Market Drayton line, and uh, and and then into. Uh, into crew and then the engines went to crew south rather than crew north which is a big lms passenger yeah, shed sure okay um well we'll look out for that one on the bookshelf david um, the, the, the one aspect that you touched on briefly was your amazing charity work with the railway children uh you are now an ambassador for that charity um just briefly can you just give us an idea of the scope of what they do just briefly yeah the um the, we, we found that a lot of a lot of children are abandoned or run away um, from rural areas. When they come into the mega cities of the world, they're lost, frightened. They're picked up so easily by the wrong people and abused and exploited. And the concept of the railway children is to have people who will go out onto the transport hubs of the world, you know, railway stations in India and Europe and bus stations in Africa and so forth, and try and meet the children and offer help and protection before the wrong people get hold of them. Sure. And uh, we, we started in 1995, and uh, we, we, we actually turn over about four or five million pounds a year. Goodness me. Comes wow. from people in the railway industry. Fabulous. And we, we've, I think we've reached something like four, four to five hundred thousand children in that particular time. Wow. That is amazing, you know, absolutely it, it amazing. A lot of people think of it as India and so forth, but last year our railway police picked up 10,000 kids on our UK stations. Wow. Well, that work is obviously reflected in the fact that you have a railway engine named after you, do you not? <laughs> Yes, <laughs> it's actually got David Maidman on the side of on the side of a train, and it's a class sixty. Is that right? Am uh, I right? No, class sixty-six. Sixty-six. The American-built General Motors class sixty-six. So, if you're at Crew Station and you you spot an engine coming through, uh, they mainly do freight, don't they? These chain the train. Yeah, this one this one does, seems to work a lot down on the southern in the in the sort of London down to the south oh, right. coast. Does a lot of engineering work. Oh, okay. Um, well, um, if you, if you spot that uh, engine, it's got. Uh, David Maidment on the side. David, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I'm, 
I'm very reluctant to um, to say goodbye, but we're going to have to because we're going to run into the next programme, if not. Thank you so much for coming on and uh, hats off to you for all the work you do. And uh, the David's books are stocked in, um, or you, they can get them for you in the Nantwich Bookshop, uh, a, a lovely book. Indeed, and yep. they know you and you know them, don't you? I'm very well indeed, yes. Indeed. I'm very well Excellent. acquainted with Steve and the Denise Lawson from the bookshop. Absolutely. So, um, uh, The Railway Children is the charity, if you want to Google that and find out a lot about, about that. David Maidment, M-A-I-D-M-E-N-T. If you Google that, you'll get the full backstory, uh, the truncated edition that we, we just had for the last 10 or 15 minutes. David, it's been a, such a pleasure to speak to you. Like I say, I could go on all morning about uh, reminiscing about standing on crew station with my little notepad taking numbers. <laughs> <laughs> we all did that. <laughs> we all did that. Uh, you picked, um, uh, you, you said you like a lot of classical music, uh, but you did say that uh, the Beatles... Lonely Hearts yep. Club band, band would do. Uh, I'm, I'm off to say we haven't. We're not too well stocked up on Shostakovich. Uh, we we'll have to <laughs> sort that out for next time. David, thank you so much for that, and uh, please stay in touch and, and let us know the next book that comes out. Uh, please do come along and tell us all about that as well. Right then, is um, is Sergeant? Oh, just before you go, do you want to say hello to anybody? Um. Yeah, hello to the young people from the... I, I work with the Methodist Church and all my colleague, former colleagues in the railway industry and, and, a, and a big hello to uh, Steve and uh, Denise at the bookshop. OK. Have you forgot your lovely lady? Well, yeah. Wouldn't, couldn't have done half of the things without her support and help. OK. What she's allowed me to do over the years. <laughs> lovely, lovely, lovely. What's her name? Pat. Pat. Pat! <laughs> all those all those years stood on the end of crew platform i'm sure was worth it that's lovely yeah. david uh like i say thank you so much and we'll definitely see you again you're listening to in case you missed it on the cat adam knight is the director of crew lyceum theater he spoke to chris cadman earlier this week about the impact of covid19 on the venue and future plans adam uh it's been a while since we've spoken uh, sad unfortunately a while since we've spoken um as the head of the uh, Crew Lyceum Theatre, how has it been for the last, I don't know, is it five months or so? Um, it is, yes, Chris. Uh, good, good afternoon. It's great to be with you on the cat. Um, yes, we, we closed our doors at the end of March uh, this year with the enforced closure uh, from the government. And um, we have been in hibernation since then. Uh, the vast majority of our team has been on furlough only our technical manager and very recently um, Lucy Thompson-Smith who was on the cat last week our creative learning manager mm-hmm. um, came back part time but other than that all, all of the team have been on furlough since the end of March um, so very challenging times indeed not just for us but indeed for the whole of the theatre and entertainment industry um, you know, including live music and comedy clubs etc etc so uh, tough times all around um, but I think that's, that's sort of where we're at I mean it's a, it's very tough at the moment but we will be back and we're doing everything that we possibly can to work towards that mm. I mean it's a big hole isn't it I mean certainly for the theatre and you and I have, have spoken about this many times in going back into February mm. we did that Sunday night at the uh, at the Lyceum which was a, which a great 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 hit and raised over £3,000 and just a fabulous venue um, yeah. so the venue's still there unfortunately the bills are still there I assume as well it is, yeah. I mean, we've we've uh, got our overhead to cover. Uh, we've been very grateful for the furlough scheme, which has helped support and, and keep
keep together the you know our team and that's that's always our uh, will be our aim throughout this is to hold the team together um because for many and the, the lyceum is much more than a theater it's it's an invaluable hub for creatives and the communities in our local area to participate and engage in arts and culture and we are the sole and therefore essential cultural asset in in cheshire east so i think we have a a really key position um, within the local area, and it's one which we've fought hard to rebuild an audience and grow and and, and um, increase the range and diversity of shows that we've been able to present. Um, and it's something uh, we, we very dearly hope that we're able to hold on to once we get to the other side of this crisis. Yeah, and I think, uh, to me, that that's where the theatre rose again, because again, with, with your leadership, obviously, what happened there is you the the, the range of events. I'm going to call it that because they're not just shows. There's all kinds of things that you've actually started to do at the theatre, and with Lucy's help, you started to bring in, you know, some kids entertainment, all kinds of stuff. And so there's some really great mm-hmm. acts as well as some theatre plays. But one of the biggest losses, I guess, is going to be the fact that you've had to cancel this year's pantomime, which. Uh, I, I know I know for you is is huge, but also people book the pantomime this, this, they want the same seats as they had last year they're doing that in January for the following year aren't they it's it's an incredible thing absolutely yeah I mean it is it's it's a it's a huge challenge for us um but I always try and look at things as a glass half full and and we, uh, we we're saying we've rescheduled panto rather than cancelled it so um sleeping beauty will return. Uh, it will return in, in December 2021. Um, it does present us with challenges. Pantomime is, is the biggest income generator that we have each year and helps to support the activity and programming of the theatre for the, for the rest of the year. Um, we were very clear right at, right at the beginning of this crisis when it unfolded uh, that we would be needing to make a decision on that at the beginning of August because, as, as you quite rightly point out, the, the planning cycle for pantomime is some 18 months in its um, duration so we would have had to make press announcements confirm casting uh, at the beginning of august and then into september um so we couldn't really leave it any later than that and the culture secretary's announcement that a relaxation of um the current restrictions on performances with social distancing is, is an announcement that won't be made until november reluctantly led us to that to that decision but we have very much been buoyed by the messages of support that we've received from audience members and the community since that announcement. And um, what we've been able to do is ensure that anyone who had booked prior to, that, prior to our decision uh, and those reservations that had already been made, their seats will be transferred to next year's performances to the same dates, to the same time, uh, and give or take where Christmas Day actually falls um, to the performance schedule of their choice, um, so that we can retain that real tradition for families within the local area of coming to pantomime next year. I guess the the good thing you can pull out of that, though, Adam, is Crew Theatre will still be there. And, I mean, to me, it has to be said that there's a number of theatres up and down the country who are not in a position to say, I'll still be here next year. Absolutely. It's a very sad situation. Um, We took some very swift decisions very early on to try and safeguard our position. Um, We're far from uh, out of the woods yet. Um, We've recently submitted uh, an application to the Government's Cultural Recovery Fund, which is being administered by the Arts Council England, 
uh, and we won't find out whether we're successful in that until the end of September, along with every other organisation in the country which is pitching for the same funds. Um, we remain hopeful. Um, we know we have a, a key and important position within the cultural ecology of the area and, and indeed in, in the economy of the area. The Lyceum generates um, approximately £2.19 million of additional uh, revenue for businesses outside of the Lyceum every year. And that's from people just coming into crew to visit the theatre and spending money elsewhere, be that in local cafes, in local pubs, in local restaurants, or indeed visiting the shops or parking outside the theatre. So it's a huge amount of money that comes into crew, and we, we realise the importance of the venue within both the town and also the regeneration priorities. And indeed, as that key cultural and community hub, I think we're at the heart of lots of people's experiences of, of Christmas. You know, it's a tradition now. Many people yeah. have bought their children and they would have been bought by their parents and their grandparents over the years. So we've got a really key position and it's one that we're going to fight hard to retain um, and to bounce back better, we hope, at the end of all of this. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about the cultural forum in a second, but I think the point, mm. the point you've just made is that um, a lot of children get their first introduction into theatre early on, maybe a pantomime yeah. or a play they've seen or whatever, and that's the piece that's sort of seeded in their lifestyle for the future. You know, for if there's no theatre, you don't get that exposure to live performances and everything else. And sadly, it's, it's like not reading, isn't it? You, you've, you've sort of lost one of the one of the key attributes or one of those key sort of passions or whatever that you may actually develop as you go further on. Absolutely, but we we will do everything that we possibly can to sort of retain that link. I think the good thing about pantomime is it is such a tradition and, and for many people Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without pantomime and whilst we've got a strange situation this year uh, as I say we will be back brighter and, and more sparkly than ever you know with much more attention being placed on next year's Christmas as being a celebration of families and audiences being able to come back together in the theatre so we don't think it's lost um, uh, you know, it will be a different Christmas, but we're also very um, proud of the work that we've done within the community over the past two years, particularly by making sure that we're, we're giving opportunities for young people to get involved mm. in so many different ways. I mean, we've had Northern Ballet and doing workshops in Beechwood School um, over the, you know, and the primary schools within the area over the course of the past year, which we've never been able to do before. Um, we've had other members of the community performing in Gary Clark Company's Wasteland back at, back in March, just before we closed. Yeah. Um, so we we want to continue doing that. As I say, we're we're not just a theatre that presents the commercial activity. We're all about opportunities, and um, also very important things like we've been able to support our first resident artist and associate company, which is Jack Robinson and his Dope Male Performance Company, and and others like him, uh, like. Forest Tribe Dance Theatre and Platform Theatre, who are all locally based uh, organisations in Crewe and Nantwich, really driving forward their artistic uh, ambitions. And, and the Lyceum's been able to provide a home for them over the past two years. And we, we've proudly worked with them to develop their work and help uh, further their projects. Mm. So we've got a key and core place. Um, uh, and as I say, we're fighting hard to retain that and we'll be back. And we want to continue supporting those people, continue supporting those artists and creating more opportunities for other people. And, and also a thriving community and amateur theatre scene. You know, there's fantastic productions that we see on our stages from producers like Curtain Call and Acton AOS 
uh, crew amateur musicals. You know, they've been a part of the Lyceum for uh, almost since we uh, existed. You know, we've been there since 1911 in Lyceum Square. We've survived two world wars. We've survived fires, floods. And with a fair wind, we'll survive this crisis. But we, we really will need the community support once the doors are back, back open, uh, which we hope will be um, early next year, early in 2021. That would be great. <clears throat> and certainly, I don't want to make it sound like you're just a one-horse pony with the pantomime. I mean, as you say, you've brought some fabulous, fabulous shows to the theatre. I mean, just before you went down, you know, the uh, closed down, things like toast and everything else. But, um, mm. but you've not been sat on your fingers while well, this has all been going on. Obviously, the theatre doors are closed. Uh, but yep. you actually took the chair of the Crew Cultural Forum. Tell me a little bit about that, Adam. That's correct, yeah. Um, there's a lot been going on behind the scenes. Um, uh, obviously, all voluntarily, whilst I've been on furlough myself. Um, but the Crew Cultural Forum is a really exciting uh, new grouping. Uh, it's made up of over 100 people um, and local organisations within Crew and the surrounds. And, and our goal is really to support the regeneration of the town through culture and heritage um, it, and a key and core part of that is giving young people a sense of cultural identity providing collaborative opportunities to explore it and and promote celebrate and protect crew's unique heritage plus looking to the future with sort of digital skills and and the way that music and art and theater and performance and 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 also grassroots creativity and community can can help bring a town back together um, and it all links into the multi-million pound uh, regeneration projects that, that are on the horizon and which we hope uh, will receive government support um, and a lot of the activity that you're currently seeing in Lyceum Square at the moment which Lucy was talking about last week on, on the cap uh, has come as a result of the collaborations that have been brought through the cultural forum Mm. So we've been meeting remotely throughout the period um, since uh, the end of March and, and continuing to keep all those ideas and um, opportunities bubbling away in the background and, until there became an opportunity to, to get them on their feet in a safe uh, and um, socially responsible way, socially distanced way, sorry, I should say. Um, and I, I think uh, there's, there's exciting times ahead and, and the forum has really pushed ahead with supporting some of these really groundbreaking activities that have happened in the town, including you know, the Lumen Festival each year, which the town council uh, fund and present, um, together with uh, adding um, uh, amplification to festivals such as Traction, uh, the, the Wave Field uh, Lit Feasts that appeared in, mm -hmm. in Lyceum Square before Christmas last year. So, you know, for a small town, we're beginning to punch above our weight um, with with the collaborations that are being drawn. And, and the, the forum includes many members from uh, huge diverse uh, organisations, from obviously the Lyceum with our role, um, uh, yourselves indeed as the cat coming on board. And we, we've got members including Crew Alex, they're involved and engaged in it, to, you know, to Cheshire College. It's a really broad, it's a really broad grouping, but but really exciting for us is the individuals that have joined um, and, and are really pushing forward and, and can see the value of creativity within the town. And we're really excited by the ideas that are coming to the table. 
Yeah, I think it's great because, as you've mentioned, looking back to cruise heritage, obviously things like Rolls-Royce, big British rail and everything else is one thing. But taking mm. that and then looking forward as to what we can offer and getting people involved in that. I mean, as you say, town regeneration and everything else. And we're certainly uh, proud and happy to be involved with that. And this weekend, uh, we'll be on the Lyceum Square with quite a good lineup of uh, local artists who are going to be performing. Obviously, uh, at the moment, it, we're just taking one step at a time because of the social distancing requirements and everything else. But uh, as soon as the uh, chains are taken off us, I'm sure that is going to be something that crew and everybody else will be proud of. So... Uh, It'll be great, Adam, to have you come back on maybe in a month or so and tell us a little bit more as we get towards Christmas. Obviously, we had the people on from Lightpool, from Blackpool, on the other day talking about that as well. Mm. So, uh, so many things that are sort of waiting in the wings just to be released. Um, as I said, fabulous, fabulous things going on. And a cultural crew, the Crew Cultural Forum, which is, of course, operating with Crew and Cheshire East and everything else, is a part of that. So uh, we really appreciate from the town your leadership on bringing everything together. So thank you. Thank you. It's very kind of you to say. And, uh, yeah, we look forward to being back and continuing to support as soon as we possibly can. Well, it's great, and it's good to hear that the theatre is going to be there. We certainly look forward to it reopening in January, February, and with another list, I'm sure you'll... The old Edinburgh Festival, I'm sure you've got all your uh, acts lined up as soon as you can get them onto the stage. So, Adam, thank you again for joining me today here on The Cat. Absolute pleasure. Thank you, Chris. Take care. In case you missed it, on The Cat... That's it for this week's edition of In Case You Missed It. We'll be back next week for another look at the last seven days on the cat and in our local area.